Hey everybody, it's Dave here and Darren over there. We are your two old bloggers over two decades publicly commenting on your Minnesota Vikings. And have we got a show for you today. It is week one. We have a game at U.S. Bank against our most bitter rivals, the Green Bay Packers. with. Aaron Rodgers at the helm, the second in the string of future Hall of Fame quarterbacks from that team that has caused us all sorts of anguish throughout the years. Today, we have three themes as usual. First one being, will Kevin O'Connell's gambit, his plan not to play starters throughout the preseason, pay off? or? Will that be a mistake? We'll find out. We'll be talking about it. Second theme, continuing sort of along those lines, we're going to be learning more about Kevin O'Connell in this game. This will be the first game that he and his young staff, i.e. there's a whole bunch of rookies out there in their positions, get to actually play a game to win and not just evaluate players. We shouldn't see the vanilla offense we saw in the last few weeks. We should see a real Kevin O'Connell offense, and we'll discuss what that possibly means. And thirdly, this is a pregame show. So we're going to look at the Vikings versus the Packers and break down where each team may have some problems and each team may actually be very good at and that may be the deciding factor. We shall find out. Climb in the pocket, Aiden Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. And we're back. Hello there, Drew. Raymond, how are you doing this lovely Saturday of fantastic college football? We're here to talk about the Minnesota Vikings and that team from Wisconsin. And joining me is Darren Campbell. How are you doing, Darren? Well, couldn't be better except if it was for Sunday at 225 Central. 320, mm-hmm. or, yeah, or, sorry, yeah, 325 Central, 225, 225 Mountain Standard Time. Yeah, we're getting to watch the Vikings for the first time. That would be, that would be, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, awesome. Is it broadcast you know, however, up there? I haven't, I haven't been, they usually, uh, I haven't Fox checked. Uh, yeah, it, uh, generally when it's the national game, particularly the late game, we do get it. Because it's one of the one of the few, like only two, unless Seattle is also playing and it's a prominent game. But uh, I've got the streaming anyway, so it's no issue for me. I'll be able to watch good. as long as the good. internet internet is good. I'll be able to watch no matter uh, whether it's on TV or not. Well, it is the national game, and all but I think Tennessee and New York get to watch it, and that means I get it on over the air TV, which means no lag due to streaming, which I'm happy about. It makes yes. me wonderful since I'm not, you know, a player too behind. 
Anyways, let's get this show started. We named it Are You Ready? Because this is it. All these games from here on out count. They do, David, and uh, the you know the one of the things that you talked about it in the intro, but uh, um, one of the things that's quite noticeable oh, with Kevin O'Connell uh, during training camp and in the preseason was uh, he had a you know we're we're going to get our first glimpse of the 2022 Vikings tomorrow uh, afternoon, but uh, and what they're going to look like under Kevin O'Connell with the the, the new offense, but if Early on in training camp and in preseason, if you were looking to get like a sniff of what that was going to be, you were disappointed because, uh, you know, the offense and defense was very vanilla, no tricks, no frills. They kept everything pretty much very basic, uh, waiting to save all the good stuff for when the games counted, which starts tomorrow. And they, the starters, um, barely played at all. In fact, um, Kevin Seifert had a story about this on ESPN earlier in the week, and you know, he talked about how no established starter uh, had more than 14 snaps during the preseason games, and and those snaps only occurred in in the very first game, and after that, uh, none. So really, really, was only Ed Ingram uh, mm-hmm. that you know played. He played the most of all these starters, and he wasn't actually a starter at that point. He was still battling for the right guard job, but uh, you know, and nine starters. Uh, guys like Dalvin Cook, Hunter, Kendricks, Kirk Cousins, they didn't play at all. Um, and, you know, that, that's, we talked about it a bit before on the show, David, but that is risky for O'Connell. Again, he's a new coach. He's bringing in new offensive and defensive systems. And, uh, you know, really, I don't, I don't think he or even the starters, the players can know exactly how they're going to function in those systems against a real live opponent when uh, until tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be the first time that we're going to see that. So, um, you know, that's a, a little bit of a, of a risk, I think, and it's something that's been brought up before. They, I guess the, 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 the pros to that is that the Vikings go into this game super, super healthy, like really – uh, Jonathan Bullard and Lewis Seen are the only guys that have like physical injuries that are uh, potentially could limit their availability for that game, and uh, so uh, whereas the 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 Packers, that team from Wisconsin, they had like twelve guys on the injured list all, all week. during the week. Yes, all week. Uh, now five of them were limited up until Thursday. Alan Lazard, as you as you show there, is still doubtful, and that's like a twenty five percent, I think, chance that uh, he plays. Uh, not looking good for him. And then there's lots of other guys, key guys like David Bakhtiari, like you got Elton Jenkins, and a couple others that aren't up there who uh, were limited all weekend, and they're. Uh, you know, it's. I expect that they will play, but uh, they, you know, it's not guaranteed. Yeah. And they're and still, the questionable is what fifty fifty. Yeah, fifty fifty, and you know that the, the Packers may decide, particularly with Bakhtiari, is that yeah, you know, uh, maybe we'll give him another week or two. Uh, we, you know, we think uh, even if we feel pretty good about um, where we're sitting right now, going into week one, uh, maybe he's not quite ready. He might not go. So. Um, you know, the, the Packers' health situation is a little bit different than the Vikings, not as good. And the Vikings' uh, veterans in particular 
have been raving about how healthy and fresh they feel. Zadaria Smith was talking about that this week. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, but that's, that's been McConnell's plan and he stuck to it all along. The idea that uh, they're working on getting, uh, keeping everybody as fresh and healthy for the long grueling season that, that it is the, the NFL football season. Uh, and uh, he wants to re- during a training camp, wanted to reduce the wear and tear on these guys. Uh, the focus is on keeping them healthy, more mental reps or half speed kind of reps and snap then snaps and playing time in preseason. And, uh, and this was the plan that, uh, that the, the new guy, I would keep on forgetting his name a lot of times, but Tyler, Tyler Williams, Williams, Tyler Williams, who's the new executive director of, of player health and performance. This was the plan that he laid out for the Vikings players and O'Connell has stuck to it. And, um, and with the whole idea of, we don't just want we don't want our team to be wore down in september already we want them to be fresh ready to go now so they'll be relatively fresh and ready to go in december and january and uh, you know Mm -hmm. hopefully february right and it is a you know and and it is a thing uh where um in football very physical sport the injury getting injured is really it's a it's not a possibility it's an eventuality for everybody i think other than maybe your kicker so anything they can do uh, there's a lot you know there's been a lot of load management going on for for guys in training camp in preseason and uh, this is um, that's the way that connell's gone now this is the also the 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 plan that had been used by the has been used by the LA Rams under Sean McVie. McVeigh. Uh, now, if you watched Thursday night's game, and I'm sure most everybody did, and saw the Rams lose 31 to 10 to the Buffalo Bills, you might be a bit worried about what O'Connell's trying to do because the Bills looked did not, or the Rams did not look good. They looked a little rusty, but. The Rams also did this the previous two years under McVay, and they started those two seasons in 2020, seven and one they started out, and in 2021 they started out four and one. So there's, um, you know, you know that there is, um, it worked then, even if it didn't seem to work on Thursday night. Uh, so it, you're not you going to take the 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 approach that because they didn't play the starters is why they lost versus because they didn't have Kevin O'Connell is why they lost. And that Kevin O'Connell may have made that difference in such a fast start. We'll find out as the games play on, if that's the case. We hope that's the case. That we be do. It would be. And yeah, I think it's going to take several games for us to see whether that's O'Connell was really a big difference maker for the Rams offense um, compared to, you know whether it just wasn't all Sean McVay. It had a lot. Had a lot of it had to do with him. Like again, we hope that's that's true because that means he's with us now and not with them, and that bodes well for the Vikings' offense. But it, it, overall, it's a, a you know this preseason and training camp is a, a little bit different, uh, quite a bit different than maybe what fans are used to. They're used to seeing the starters play. You know the third game uh, play like ha- at least the first half, uh, but these guys especially the veterans they've been around a while um they they're going to get plenty of snaps and going to get hit lots now and up you know for the next four months do they really need that extra stuff in july and in early mid-august to get ready for the year Uh, or you know 
I think that, you know, there's an excellent argument to be made that they don't need that sort of stuff. And, um, but again, we'll, if, I guess the one thing for Vikings fans and to keep in mind is if, if, if Sunday the game does not go the way we would like and the Vikings don't look that great, uh, I'm not myself, I'm not going to like say, oh, you see, you know, the starter should have played more, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm not going to get down on the team like that. I'm going to take the long term view on it. And if the same as if they look really good and have a great game and look fantastic, I'm not going to go, you know, take a snap judgment and say, look, you know, that's perfect. What a great plan because mm-hmm. it's not just about winning the, the season opener which we all want to see but it's also about winning you know multiple multiple games multiple the games. rest of september in september october november and december and you know and that's when it's going to be later on that we're going to learn whether o'connell made you know the right call or maybe he could, should have tried to be a little bit different and and not so uh, strict in limiting the reps and then with, with the load management stuff. But he's got a plan. He's stuck with it. He believes in it. And I think that that's, you know, for from a fan, I'll, that's a lot to, all, about all you can ask. You don't want a guy to be like, uh, he's got a plan, but then he deviates from it because something happens. I mean, mm-hmm. Work them, you know, what was uh, Dennis Green's old uh, saying was like, uh, uh, plan your work and work your plan. And mm-hmm. and Kevin O'Connell is doing that. He, Yep, exactly. Now, what I find interesting is literally this season, and literally, I shouldn't use that word. It's the most overused word in the English language. This season, about half the teams, and I think it was almost exactly half, used that approach of mm-hmm. – Let's hold the starters back through the majority of the preseason so that they're healthy, yada, yada, and hopefully they're fresher later in the season. The other half, including the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, it was like, no, it's the old way where we, you know, first game we play them a quarter or, you know, a a series or two and then a quarter and then a half, you know, or into the second half. And we got the normal progression of how teams had always done it with their starters and it should be interesting at the end of the season to go back and look how did the teams the half of the teams that did do that you know the traditional way how did they fare both with injuries and in results versus the teams the the half of the teams that rested everybody protected them focused on their second third and fourth strings guys and how they did across that season, how they ended up with total overall injuries and results. It's, it's going to be a fascinating thing to look at next offseason uh, when after this season is done and we've gotten through the draft. It'll be – should be an interesting result. Now, watch it be yeah. just perfectly 50-50 and <laughs> yeah. knowing, knowing nope. how things work, that's exactly what it's going to be. But it should be interesting to see if it – if there's a benefit one way or the other. Yeah. And, um, and for O'Connell, the main thing is going to be seeing for, for the Vikings, whether mm-hmm. there was a benefit to it. And, and uh, um, you know, this is the first year I'm sure that he's, he's going to look at it and there will things that will be tweaked next off season based on what happened in, in this season and uh, you know, how effective he and Williams and the rest of the coaches think the whole load management and health and, and uh, you know, limiting the limiting the you know, like the live reps was for the team. How how they felt it, you know, it helped prepare them. Whether the 
for the regular season or whether they feel they needed a little bit more field time than they got. Mm -hmm. And part of that may be based on the age of the starters. If you've got a bunch of young ones, young ones can handle it better. If you got older ones like we do in all those key positions, you know, or a bunch of the key positions, they may need the more rest. Michael's looking, wants to see shirt. what your shirt. It's uh, Odin. Michael. There we go. <laughs> um, that brings us to theme two. Which is going to be a lot like theme one. <laughs> well, we're going to have a Kevin O'Connell vibe throughout yeah. this show today. That is true, yes. And as we talked earlier, tomorrow at 325 Central Time, uh, Kevin O'Connell is going to be on the sidelines as the head coach for his first regular season game in the NFL. And that's big. And, 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 and now uh, he's going to be in the crosshairs of fans and media, both locally and nationally uh, for, uh, you know, watching every decision he makes and everything he does and, uh, and every non-decision he makes. And he'll, you know, O'Connell's going to have to answer for that. And, and, you know, we are going to learn whether, um, you know, his calm, um, very positive, uh, and with the media, very polite demeanor <laughs> in press conferences. If, if that's going to continue on the sidelines and post games, uh, when the pressure of the season mounts and, uh, and tomorrow's the first of 17 legs of learning, you know, what kind of team mm-hmm. under Kevin O'Connell, the Minnesota Vikings are going to be. And if he can fix some of the stuff that ailed the team in 2020 and 2021 under, under Mike Zimmer and, and even going, you know, before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, you know, a few things that I find interesting and Dave, I'll want you to chime in here too on what you're looking for, but a few things I'm going to be looking at and, and I'm curious to see from, from O'Connell. The first one is, his uh, his approach to fourth downs, gambling on fourth downs, uh, you know, the analytics is uh, gone. You know, most NFL coaches now are are you know following the analytics mm-hmm. more, going for it on fourth down, you know, tremendous a whole lot more than they did even two or three years ago, and uh, even Mike Zimmer was doing this last mm-hmm. year uh, to some extent, but. Um, you know, one thing when Brandon Staley, who was from the McVay coaching tree, uh, was a rookie head coach with the the Chargers last year. I, I watched a lot of Chargers games or parts of them for you know I'm not sure why. Just they just happened to be on. I guess a lot of times in the afternoon, uh, they played the Vikings at one time too. And uh, you know, one thing that was really noticeable about him that got noticed was that he was super super aggressive going for it on fourth down in various with various down and distances at time, different times in the game, even at, at field at positions in the field that you wouldn't think that you'd want to go for it. He was super aggressive uh, in that. Um, it didn't result in the Chargers making the playoffs, but it was something that was quite noticeable. And because O'Connell's from the, you know, O'Connell's there with Staley for, you know, a year or two, he's from the McVay coaching tree again. I am really going to be interested to see how O'Connell approaches fourth downs. Uh, is he going to be super aggressive like Staley was last year? Is he going to be a little bit less um, aggressive and, you know, maybe a little bit more conservative than I'm expecting? You know, Staley's approach in fourth downs was a surprise to me, David, because he's a defensive coach. And right. you kind of feel like 
they're going to favor. I don't want to put my defense in a bad situation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to put them in a bad situation uh, by, you know, um, failing to convert on a fourth down at midfield or somewhere close to that. Uh, But he went totally the opposite way. O'Connell is an offensive minded coach. So you would think that he would also, you know, carry that philosophy, but we just don't know. Uh, And, uh, you know, I think, but we're going to find out here. (laughs) Right. And one of the things I'm looking for, you're looking at the fourth downs. I'm looking at just play distribution. How, how is he attacking it? Are we going, you know, it's second and nine and we're handing the ball off to Dalvin Cook. Are, Are we throwing the ball more? Are we, he says we're going to be a more pass oriented team. We're going to pass first, run second, and use them as complementary pieces. I want to see that in action. I want to see the simple stuff from we know that Wes Phillips is going to be up in the booth from the um, Skyview type uh, point of view, which is, which is extremely valuable. I've coached in both spots, sideline and up high. You can see things up high that you can't see on the sidelines and mm-hmm. some vice versa. You can feel things on the sidelines that are going that you sometimes can't see in the booth. I'm going to be curious on how that interaction, if we see any visible hiccups, we shouldn't see anything, right? Yeah. The whole idea is we see nothing. It is flawless. Everything, the communication works great. But that's the question. How is the communication? You know, it goes Wes Phillips. The I think the analytics guy's upstairs with him. I'm not sure about that, but I'm pretty sure he's upstairs with him, right? They do the recommended plays. Goes down Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell reviewing his sheets. Yeah, bah, talks to Kirk. Kirk is giving one, two, three, six, however many plays. You know, does he have a kill command? Does he have options to change at the line of scrimmage that we haven't seen? or haven't seen him use um, often. I want to see those sorts of things when it comes to the offense, whether Kevin O'Connell has that going and has it going, you know, this first game. Does is that been practiced and all the you can't film here stuff and behind mm-hmm. closed doors? Have they worked on those procedures? You know, is you know, when um, Cousins gets up to the line of scrimmage and he starts to do his read and Bradbury reads the, the line as well, you know, is Cousins going to – is he now allowed to change what Bradbury's saying? Or is he allowed to see and just change the plays, you know, on the fly for what he thinks is better? Is he going to be comfortable doing that? Because we know he's never seemed to be comfortable. All that ties into how Kevin O'Connell's been working and massaging the team throughout the offseason and then coming up to tomorrow. That's what I want to see. I also want to see, you know, is there any time flubs? They supposedly hired a guy that specifically watches the clock and says, now's the time to call a timeout. Let's see if there's yeah. any time flubs. Mike Zimmer was notorious at it. You know, you'd get a, he'd get a sack, you know, on the opposing team and he called timeout and it's like, why you just saved them a whole bunch of time, you know, doing stupid stuff like that. Why would you do that? I would, I don't want to see any of that from Kevin O'Connell, but it's one of the things that 
I'm going to be trying to pay attention to it to see if we do see some of that growing pains. I sent you a table earlier. There was, and I don't have the graphic for it. There was a, a breakdown of new coaches and their winning percentages, how often they win, what's the average winning, um, how often do they win their division, and so forth. And it's not great. The yeah. average win rate for a brand new coach is like six games. And it's, uh, <clears throat> do I think <clears throat> Kevin O'Connell can beat that? By all means, he's got a better team around him. He's not coming yes. into a fresh start somewhere uh, where he's got to build up a team. He's coming into an established squad. And and hopefully the tweaks they made, he and Quasi after that, have made it even better. But it, when it got down to winning the division, it was only like 6%, if I remember correctly. I want to see him beat that. And we'll start seeing tomorrow, does he make the moves? Does he do the communication? Does he plan? Does he call the plays that look like that's going to be the case? Because it's it's a whole new ball game. It is, and but talking about the clock management, David, that you were, and the you know Wes Phillips being upstairs, and Kevin O'Connell being on the sideline, and Kevin O'Connell calling the plays, and then you got an analytics guy, and and uh, it, all of that stuff has to happen in like a span of about forty seconds, <laughs> which is forty fifty seconds, which uh, between when the, when the play ends and when the play clock starts, and when you got to get everything in. So that's not a whole lot of time, and that's something that's got to run like a well oiled machine, or else you're going to get a lot of uh, delay a game penalties or have to use up, blow some timeouts that you need right. later on in the game. So that is key. Uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, all, along with the play calling, what's also going to be key and something I'm going to be watching out for is if O'Connell can has found, found a way to solve the and uh, solve the Vikings three and out itis that they suffered from last year in 2021. Um, they led the league in three and outs, and that's just unacceptable when mm-hmm. uh, when you have the kind of um, players and skill position players that we had last year and that we have this year. Uh, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins pulling the trigger, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith Jr., my favorite guy yep. at their 84, Dalvin Cook. Again, uh, just that is <clears> – <throat> And and really, you know, this year, other than Smith Smith Jr., who was out all last year with the knee injury, and then other than um, and then other than Jalen Rager being added, and Ed Ingram being the right guard instead of last year being Dakota Dozier or whoever else it was, right? Uh, the the offensive uh, the offensive Holy personnel is this is pretty much the same now mm-hmm. as it was last year when we had all those three and outs. So. Really, is is O'Connell going to be the guy that's with his creativity and his his play calling and his preparation, and is that going to be the difference? We also got to point out that last year the Vikings had an overmatched Clint Kubiak, the spawn of Gary as the offensive coordinator, and I think that was a big reason why you had the three and outs that you did. Yeah, he wrote um, in the playbook in crayon. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Clint's crayon playbook. So that's going to be a a big one. Uh, The other thing is, like like O'Connell selected on his coaching staff, he had, uh, you know, he picked, you know, his coordinators. Did he pick the right guys to lead those units? Did he pick, is Ed Donatel the right guy to solve the Vikings? defensive problems that we've seen in last year, giving up 
bucket loads of points at the end of halves and the last two minutes of first halves and second halves. Uh, you know, it, can he solve that? Can he solve our run defense problems? Uh, we're going to find out about that. He uh, O'Connell also got Wes Phillips and Matt Daniels. He made them first-time coordinators in the NFL. Now, we know Kevin O'Connell is basically the offensive coordinator as well as the head coach in a lot of ways because he's calling plays. But still, uh, are these two guys, are they going to be up to the challenge? Are they going to be overmatched like Clint Kubiak was? Or are they going to be guys, young ascending coordinators? Well, I guess Phillips ain't that young. But uh, <laughs> he's not ancient or anything. But, but uh, you know, can they coax more out of the special teams and the offensive uh, units that they're in charge of than the previous coordinators that were under Mike Zimmer did? Uh, that's going to be you know, those are key, key, key hires you make your coordinators. And we are going to learn again as the season goes on starting tomorrow, whether Kevin O'Connell made the right choice with his coaching staff, particularly with his coordinators. So those are kind of the, you know, some of the three, some of the key things that I'm looking at. And you already mentioned a bunch as well. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've been hearing Kevin O'Connell talk about being the Vikings head coach, what philosophy he's bringing, what kind of team culture he's bringing, what kind of team does he think the Vikings are going to be under him. But, uh, you, but we still have so much to learn about him and what the team is going to be like under him. Uh, are they going to, how, you know, how is he, Kevin O'Connell going to respond after a loss where maybe one of his moves or non-moves is con considered, uh, was a contributor to a, mm -hmm. you know, a tough loss to the Vikings. How is he going to react to that? How are the players going to react to that? If it, if it appears that he may have cost the Vikings a game or two with his decisions or non-decisions. And are they going to, if that happens, are they going to continue to buy into the way that he's, you know, his messaging and his talks to the team uh, and his leadership style. These, these are all things that we're going to learn more about in the, in the first year. And uh, it's just going to be interesting, fascinating, uh, hopefully exciting as well <laughs> mm -hmm. <I laughs> with, a, with a lot of, with a lot of success. Uh, I want to highlight Philip said in the preseason, he noticed KOC kept us cool while calling plays. I agree, Philip. He did. However, there's something that changes from preseason to regular season. In the preseason, he's calling vanilla plays stock, right? Like a stock photo. It's, hey, you need a picture of a flower? Here it is. Boom. <laughs> Nothing spectacular about it. Here we go. Right? And his whole purpose during preseason was to put second, third, and fourth stringers in a certain position so he could evaluate those players. Right and evaluate how they're doing and how they're progressing. Are they learning the playbooks? Are they increasing in their skills um, from being coached? Are they getting better at certain things? Are they not? Are they worthy or not to make the team? Right, and he's we've gone through all that. He's made those decisions. What changes though, starting tomorrow, is it's no longer are they getting the playbook? Are they learning? Are they getting better? It is. Now I'm coaching to win. It's not, you know, I'm going to throw out here vanilla and we're going to do, you know, we're in this situation, we're going to run because that's how I evaluate this. And we're going to do a couple extra pass plays because I want to see how wide receiver five and six look. Nope, it's not going to be that. It's going to be, now what am I going to do to take advantage of the Packers defense so that we can put a pounding on them and win tomorrow? The the pressure ratchets up, 
it ratchets up big time. We haven't seen him <clears throat> under that pressure in this position. Obviously, he was under that pressure as an OC last year, but we haven't seen him as a head coach. That's going to be interesting to see. I suspect he will do just fine. I hope he does. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. But it's something that we're going to be looking for tomorrow, especially with the possibility of rust and both teams being sloppy because both teams didn't play a lot of their starters in the preseason. It should be interesting because coaches get a little perturbed when players aren't playing up to the coach's expectation or perception. So should be fun. It'll be fun unless it's a blowout. Yeah. Where we're not, where we're the Vikings are on the receiving end of, of a, an ass whooping. Otherwise, it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree there. That brings us to our uh, favorite part of the show where we talk about beer, Lake Monster. Beer, 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 beer. Um, beer, beer, beer. Lake Monster has a new menu out as of tomorrow or already. And on it, it has. It's that time of the year, folks. They've brought out the Oktoberfest. Um, they've added milk. Where's the, where's the schnitzel? <laughs> they've added a, a, an original stout, oatmeal stout up top to go along with their Murmur milk stout, which, according to friend of the show, Arif Hassan, says is absolutely fantastic. They've got that, and they reintroduced Depth Charge. Juicy IPA, which is Matt Anderson's favorite IPA. They've got that back in stock, and they're going. But the big thing is it's that time for Oktoberfest, and they have their Oktoberfest going. I talked to Matt, Matt Lang, the brewmeister, and I said, man, I would love to see it. And the liter or liter and a half mugs, like you see the beer maids holding right there, and he said he would too, but unfortunately, he doesn't have the, any of those glasses. So uh, I think if the Vikings win the Super Bowl, they need to donate some of those glasses because we're supporting them. They need to support some good. I'll tell you what's also fantastic. Those three ladies uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. drinking the beers there. Yep. Very and attractive. Yes, I agree. And we're getting some... Uh, Already score predictions in there. We're yes. getting to that point. On to theme three, where we look at the game itself. Boom. Vikings versus Packers tomorrow at 325 on Fox from U.S. Bank Stadium. Indeed, David. It's Packer week. It's on. It's been on for a while. Uh, the rivalry starts again uh, with the, those hated Packers from Wisconsin. Uh, and uh, we're going to be doing a preview of this game like we'll be doing for all the other uh, games uh, this season, uh, both regular season and hopefully playoffs and Super Bowl. That's right. <laughs> um, so, uh, and, uh, so we're doing our, this is our first preview of the first game of the season. Uh, something that I always find difficult, David, uh, because uh, I just agree to, with you. We do, we don't know what to go on, right? Like what mm -hmm. the what the strengths and and what the strengths and weaknesses of the Vikings and the Packers were last year, maybe totally or a lot different this year. Uh, you just can't go by what 
teams did last year and expect them to be exactly the Especially same. Especially when year. they got a new coaching change and new yep. schemes and everything else. Oh, what I brought yeah. up here is I've got PFFs projected as of this early. All these, whether it be PFF or ESPN or um, any of the other grades and ratings I bring in during the pregames as we get further along, the first four games are sort of out of whack, sort of wacky yeah. before anybody figures out exactly where teams should compete and how you know individual players match up or how offense versus defense and etc. Here, the PFF is not high on Minnesota, as you can see. They're not the only ones I've seen all week. You know, and power rankings, which I mean absolutely diddly squat, that the Vikings are in the 20s. I don't see that. I don't see that with his squad. Now, if you want to take a new coach and say, yeah, he only wins six games, yeah, then we're going to be in the 20s. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, They show... Green Bay fifth overall, but they have them fourth or third on offense and third on defense, which means their special teams is bringing them down. Uh, we don't have that, but you can look at their average offensive play calls here. So, you know, they're going to call, you know, 66, 67 plays during a normal game, right? You can see that is, those are last year's passing statistics. They're both pass about the same amount of time. They both run about the same amount of time, right? The teams are, when you look at it in depth, are relatively evenly matched. Yes, we do not have a future Hall of Fame quarterback and uh, a consensus future Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. We have Kirk Cousins. Now, Kirk Cousins is going to have to win an awful lot to get into that discussion, and we hope he does. But right now, he's not even close where Aaron Rodgers is, and we also know that quarterbacks are the main uh, factor in any football game because they touch the ball on offense every single play. So we'll see. These will get better. There will be more graphics as time goes on week after week after week, and they will get better and more accurate as we break down games in the future. But this is week one. It is week one, and, and it really, for me, it takes four or five games to really kind of see you know, what the character of the team is. Like, are they slow starters? Are they fast starters? How do they handle adversity? Uh, do, the, does, do their coaches make dumbass decisions when it comes to challenging or using timeouts? We know all about that. So, you know, it takes a little while to figure that out. We certainly don't know that about uh, Kevin O'Connell at, at this point at all. So we're kind of going in a bit blind. But uh, there's still some keys to the game that I wanted to point out that I feel is, is going to be important. Um, Dave, you, you've got a few as well. Uh, I, I mean, first off, uh, one thing we do know amongst the uncertainty is that Aaron Rodgers is probably going to play pretty well. Uh, yeah, he's just... He's just one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. There's no no getting around that. He's got he's going to play at a high level. He always does against the Vikings. Uh, his 56 TD to seven interception uh, ratio is the best uh, of any uh, like qualified quarterback in NFL history against a single opponent. Um, that hasn't though led to uh, like an overwhelming amount of Packers wins though. They, the uh, Rodgers is 50. The Packers are 15, 10, and 1 against the Vikings 
in Roger's career uh, w- with the Packers. So yeah, they won more, but it's not like a huge disparity. Right. And I want how well Zimmer, he's played. They split. Yeah, uh, but uh, despite you know, I'm and I'm convinced he, he's got a he can't do it all himself. He needs players to help. Uh, mm-hmm. Wide receivers being a big part of it, and I'm convinced that you could put a pile on next to Aaron Rodgers and uh, playing on his offense, and Rodgers would get that pile on sixty catches a year. <laughs> you know, so uh, that's that's just how good he is, but. Uh, pylons aside, the Packers this year, they don't have Devontae Adams. Uh, they don't have Marcus Gal- uh, Valdez-Scantling. Uh, not a major deal, but he'd been, uh-huh. he'd been with the, the, the Packers for a while. And Alan Lazard is doubtful for this game. And between the three of those dudes, uh, they accounted for last year 189 catches and 22 TDs between the three of them. Now, yes, Devontae Adams made up the lion's share of that. Uh, so so that's true. But uh, those are still three established guys that had been with Rodgers quite a while. Uh, and for those guys, potentially Lazard, who's still with the Packers, but uh, if he can't play tomorrow, I, you know, I, I, think, I think that's a huge deal. And certainly Adams not being there is a huge deal because even if Lazard can play, David, uh, a starting three wide receivers for the Packers of Lazard, Randall, Cobb, and Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins is not as dangerous as when you've got Devontae Adams in there, who absolutely killed the Vikings uh, in the last two, three seasons. Uh, the other thing is that if Lazard can't go, it's probably going to mean that the guys you've got up there, mm-hmm. Christian Watson and uh, Romeo Dubes, will have to play a significant amount of snaps. And we know that Kurt, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and we, uh, you and I talked about this on a show uh, a couple of months ago, that now the first game of the season with uh, all of those uh, missing parts from the, from the Packers offense, uh, particularly at wide receiver, that the first game of the season was a great time to face mm-hmm. the Packers and Aaron Rodgers because they, you know, the rookies might have to play a, a lot of snaps in this game. And Rodgers, we know Rodgers does not trust rookie wide receivers. And he already chewed them out uh, early, you know, earlier in training camp in July about not running the right routes and dropping too many passes and that, that they had to get their act together. Now, a week later, he kind of, he, he, he bumped them up. He pumped their tires some more and started saying, oh, they, you know, they responded to the challenge. But we know, I think that if, if Watson or Dubes has to play a significant amount of snaps, I think that's a problem for the Packers. I think it's a problem for, going to be a problem for Aaron Rodgers. And I think it's could lead to, uh, you know, a little disconnect and, uh, and lack of efficiency in the passing offense for the Packers, which is good for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but the, the, another big battle, I think, David, that could offset this, uh, you know, a little bit of slackness or inefficiency in the in the Packers passing game, or that we hope, is can the Vikings' new three four uh, stop the Packers' running game? Because I think that the Packers are going to lean on Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon early on in the game uh, because of this. Uh, that they're passing their wide receivers, maybe they're not as comfortable with them as they had been in the past because they don't have a Devontae Adams. So they, you know, the Packers know that the Vikings were brutal on run defense uh, last year. Uh, we know we've got a new 3-4 system with some new players, but a lot of those same players are there. Uh, right. So if, 
if and Aaron Jones is an excellent back, he's also an excellent receiver out of the backfield, and he'll probably be featured quite prominently in the passing game uh, tomorrow as well. But if Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, who and AJ Dillon was a, like a, he really really stepped it up last year in his second year. If those guys are getting four, five, and six yard gains consistently, uh, it's not going to matter that the that Rodgers is is doesn't like his rookie wide receivers who have to play. It's not going to matter so much that Devontae Adams isn't in the game because he's going to be in second and short and third and short all game long. And a guy like Rodgers is going to take advantage of those down and distant situations, no matter who he's got playing with him. Uh, so we, like it was mentioned there, King of the North, great point. Harrison Phillips has got to have a huge game tomorrow. Uh, hold that, that line of scrimmage, occupy multiple blockers. Same with Dalvin Tomlinson mm-hmm. and the same with whether it's Bullard or Ross Blacklock or James Lynch, whoever is the opposite defensive end. They've got to plug up the line of scrimmage, contain and uh, you know make tackles themselves and allow Eric Kendricks and Jordan Hicks to make mm-hmm. tackles and stop four or five, six yard gains and keep them to one or two yard gains or even behind the line of scrimmage. If we can do that, I think that's going to go a long way to the Vikings winning the game. If they can't do that, it's going to be a hard, hard go. Well, earlier this week I heard Aaron Rodgers was complaining to the coaches about teaching, uh, saying it's your job to get his young receivers squared away and running correct routes, right? And so – Aaron Rodgers complaining to the coaches about what the coaches are doing is not a change. He's done that before, as we all know. That also tells me that he may not think those young guys are ready. And we know he does not have the trust factor he had with Devontae Adams. So, and I think LaFleur knows this as well. So if the passing game isn't there, they're going to rely on the run game. Like you said, A.J. Dillon and uh, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. And they made, they're both good backs, very, very good backs. And so we may see, we may see a flip-flop of what we're normally used to. We saw the stat where the Packers like to throw 60% of the time, run 40%. We may see that flip tomorrow. Not because that's what they want, but because that is coming out of necessity. When there's also something else that plays into Aaron Rodgers in passing, right? Besides those new wide receivers, young wide receivers, other than one of them, um, and the lack of trust, the you know, the ESP connection he had with Adams, the whole works, knowing that if he sees something on the field, he could throw up the ball, Adams is going to get it. He doesn't have that anymore. Our defense, for when it comes to passing or stopping the pass, we have a very pissed off Zadarius Smith, as we <laughs> all saw reports all week long on how he feels the Packers treated him poorly. Those weren't his words, but that was the jest. He is very motivated. I'm sure he wants to put Aaron Rodgers on his backside as many times as possible. On the other side, you have Daniil Hunter, who's fresh, 
right? Because he missed most of last season. He's going to want to make a name for himself as well. It could be a high sack day, especially if Bakhtari and um, Ellington, yeah, Jenkins, aren't playing, right? So that may drive the Packers even more to hand off the ball. Because I think Aaron Rodgers is going to get frustrated. He does not like to get frustrated. He's going to get frustrated because he's going to have pressure, constant pressure on him in the pass game. Receivers that are running the wrong routes or dropping footballs, and he's not going to feel comfortable. The one thing as a defensive coordinator you want to do for the other team is make that quarterback feel uncomfortable. That should be number one on the game plan. Make Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable because when Aaron Rodgers gets uncomfortable, he tends not to make good, sound decisions. We all saw three years ago when Aaron Rodgers' game was falling off. We thought, oh, Aaron Rodgers is washed. He's washed. He's washed. He's washed. And it was looking like that. And then, of course, they drafted Love, and then everything flipped. He got motivated, and he's going. I don't see him with that motivation there anymore. I think that may have left the building this summer with Devontae Adams. So if that motivation isn't there and he struggles because of wide receivers or and or pressure, it could be a long day for Green Bay. And the only solution, if I was LaFleur, is hand off the football. Now, handing off the football, we come back to Harrison Phillips and uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. Those two guys are going to be key at plugging up the middle. We didn't have that plug in the middle last season. It did not work as well. We got our butts ran on most of the time. With going to the 3-4 instead of the 4-3, it means they're going to be expected to nullify any sort of blocking and leave the holes for our uh, linebackers. We talked about on the opposite side of Tomlinson, the other DE being Blacklock or Lynch. If... uh, Bullard doesn't isn't ready to play. I expect to see a lot of you're going to see maybe Wanham come in, right? Mm-hmm. And they go with a three edge rusher type, and then Tomlinson and um, Harrison Phillips in the middle, and to see more of that approach than I would maybe of even Blacklock um, or Lynch. I think, I think you're going to get a better result that way. It's that's one of the things about Ed Donatel. It's going to be fun to see how that works tomorrow because we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it all preseason. We don't know. That's you know we talked about O'Connell and how the things are going there. There's the whole defensive side. How are we going to make Aaron Rodgers want to hand off the running, hand off the ball, and then how are we going to stop that run? Because I don't think the passing game should be that. Effective, especially when we've got a decent secondary, and you put somebody smart like Patrick Peterson against some young wide receiver. I think Patrick Peterson is going to have his lunch, right? He's just by pure brain power. You know, the the receiver may be a step faster or whatever, but Peterson's going to know where to go, and I think, I think it gives us an advantage because. The Packers aren't at that level. Now, the question is, is our defense communicating and understanding the 3-4, what they're 
what Donatel wants to scheme them to do. Because usually that takes a lot of times people talk when they switch from a 4-3 to a 3-4. It may take a month for them to figure it out. Hopefully yeah. that's not the case. Hopefully they've got it figured out already. We just haven't seen it because it's been at practices where they can't film and, you know, behind closed doors. But I do think, you know, this is very much, it's up to Aaron Rodgers. Well, I think Aaron Rodgers can be made uncomfortable, and that should be the goal we look for tomorrow. Yeah, one of the graphs you showed, it, it, you know, uh, mentioned it showed the passer rating for both um, Rodgers and Cousins mm-hmm. when they weren't under pressure, when they were, and they're, and they're. Uh, this is probably true of all Q- QBs, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but uh, you can see that their passer ratings when they aren't pressured, clean, uh, are like. You know, outstanding, uh, not as outstanding when they're pressured. So, uh, and uh, Rogers' rating is a little bit below Kirk's actually uh, there, not a huge amount, but but you know, a little bit of difference. Me, but yes, yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, getting pressure it doesn't just mean doesn't mean sacks, but getting pressure, forcing them them, them off their spot, forcing them to make throws and weird uh, under dress is a you know a recipe for a less effective Aaron Rodgers for sure. Um, so, but that's on the offensive side of the thing, David. I think, you know, on our offensive side of the thing, I think, you know, another thing that's going to be uh, interesting is, oh, in recent years, at least I feel like you could, the, the Packers defense was not uh, an asset to them. Uh, they were a detriment to their their success. And, but that's not the case anymore. I think their defense is going to be pretty, pretty good this year. Something that we're not used to. You look at their, their starters, they've got very good players at all levels. Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, uh, Devondre Campbell came out of nowhere last year to make the Pro Bowl. Uh, Rashawn Gary turned into a star last year. Preston Smith has been pretty good for the Packers since he he moved there. Um, Alexander is one of the best corners in the NFL. Uh, Stokes, Eric Stokes, who's opposite him, had a very good rookie season last year. And the safeties, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage, are pretty solid players too. So this is this is a on paper this defense looks very very good. Uh, I think that they're going to be a very stiff test for the Vikings offense. Yes, the Vikings offense have a has a you know a lot of firepower too. We've talked, you know, every every Viking fans knows that. But the but the the, the Packers getting the Packers right off the bat, uh, even with our new offensive system that should have some surprises in store for for the Packers defensive staff and players. Still, I think this is going to be one of the toughest test that the Vikings offense is going to have all year. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the Packers defense, I think is going to be very, very good. And I think that we shouldn't be, we expect this offense to be, the Vikings offense to be very explosive this year, more explosive than it ever was under Mike Zimmer. But this game might be the game where points are hard to come by for us. And we may not, we may not look as good as we, as we want to look or think we should look. Uh, and I would caution Viking fans from, again, if that happens, from getting too down on, on O'Connell and the Vikings offense because I think this Packers defense is legit. It is good. And uh, this game may not be like the high-scoring type of affair we, we saw last year at U.S. Bank Stadium when it was like 36 to 34 or whatever it ended up being. And, and, the, and Cousins and Rodgers were throwing the ball all over the field in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Jefferson is going to have to be a monster tomorrow. Uh, he's going to have to get open just like we've been hearing he's uncoverable he's going to have to be uncoverable tomorrow and that offensive line is going to have to hold up um 
with the new starter rookie Ed Ingram. They are going to have to hold up and keep Kirk Cousins clean uh, for us to really have consistent success on offense. So that's a biggie. The other thing that I'm really watching out for and I think is going to be key is um, the Packers special teams. You could make the argument last year they were bad and you could make a good argument last year that they're the special teams cost the Packers that playoff game against the 49ers that they blew it and that 13 to 10 loss. So, um, so, uh, and last year, Mason Crosby missed a ton of kicks. Their Packers kickoff and punt return coverage was not that good. And they didn't get very much from their kickoff and punt returners themselves. Meanwhile, the Vikings, Greg Joseph had an outstanding training camp, pretty good preseason. We know Kenny Wongwu is a, an elite kickoff returner and the Vikings trading for Jalen Rager. That's given us now an experienced punt returner who also has explosive playability i think the vikings have a huge if uh, have a very big edge in special teams uh there and if the packers haven't cleaned up their special teams uh issues uh considerably the viking the vikings might make that one or if it's a close game and i expect it will be the Vikings special teams might make that one or two big plays or the Packers special teams might make the one or two big blunders that tips the game in the Vikings favor. So I think special teams is something to really watch out for on this one. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, The picture you see there is of the walk-off win last November against the Packers at U.S. Bank. And I do believe that we saw on the team comparison where PFF thinks their defense is good, rank at three. Their offense is good, is rank at three. I don't think that's quite the case for the offense, but mostly that's Aaron Rodgers. And But they were ranked fifth overall. Why? Because their special teams, they still have issues. I think our special teams wins this matchup, and I agree with you. Kene Nwangu as kick returner and Jalen Rager as punt returner. And you know he got his uh he got his accolades this week from um Mr. Daniels, Coach Daniels, on how he loved to see him and all that. So I think that will be a decided advantage for us. But I really hope that Joseph's doing nothing but extra points and kickoffs. True. That would be sweet. Mm-hmm. And lots of them. <laughs> lots. Yeah. If he only kicks one field goal and has like two kickoffs, uh, the, the Vikings are in trouble. But if he has a multiple kickoffs and, and a few field goals, then that means we're scoring lots of points and we're probably winning this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lawrence, she's expecting a slow start. I understand a lot of people. And we, we speculated on that earlier. Are they going to come out sloppy? Are they not going to come out efficient on either side? I hope that's the case for the Packers, and I hope that's not the case for the Vikings and that we do come out and we're firing on all cylinders. And unlike with the previous regime, we're not afraid to take the foot off the gas and that we absolutely drive them into the stadium turf. So it all comes down to one thing, though. To wrap this up, it comes down to Kevin O'Connell again. And in this graphic, I have a tweet of a tweet. It's by Score North, it's our friends Phil Mackey. And uh, 
he brought up the fact that the Vikings have not been an underdog at home since 1985. And we it's are quite the underdog. Uh, it's about a point and a half. It may have gone down to a point. Started out, I think, a little over three. It's steadily gone better. Uh, a lot of the contributing factors to why it's getting closer is the health of the Green Bay offensive line. But, um, yes, Raymond, keeping penalties down. That's that's one of those things, coaching, are the players disciplined? Are they playing that way? It's one of the things we need to watch for. Good point there. Um, but it comes down to, does Kevin O'Connell have the squad ready? Are they ready? Are they disciplined? Are have have they nailed down the schemes? Can they handle the playbook? Playbook will expand over the season, but can they handle what's in there right now? Can they handle the? Are they making the right communications? Right. I don't want to see one of those young wide receivers from Green Bay wide open because somebody blew a coverage. Right. And you know, and for the Vikings, I don't want to see. Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen screaming wide open and we get a two-yard check down to C.J. Ham. I want to see that change this year. So, we'll see. It's all on him. Like I said, this is a heavy Kevin O'Connell theme show, and it's all on him, but it's going to be fun. Now, do you have – yes, Drew, uh, Vikings have scored 83 state games, 84 after tomorrow, longest – Current streak in the NFL? I did not know that. That's a good number. And I know Kirk Cousins has a consecutive game TD throwing streak going as well. But that's good to know. I expect them to be, I expect this team this year to be offensive centric and minded, and that we'll look at them and go, hey, we'll start. I hope to compare them to, you know, 98 Vikings and then. The um, the Rams there afterwards, where it's thirty five points or bust every game. That would be nice. Have you got a prediction? I'm going uh, Vikings twenty four, Packers twenty three. You got it close. See, I said I on Wednesday's show, and I was laughed at by Arif. I said thirty five Vikings, thirty five Packers. Around 21. We'll see how it goes. Um, I hope that it's that high scoring on the Vikings part. Hey, and if they hold the Packers to nothing, cool. I think if somebody up here said 41-0 whipping would be great. I agree wholeheartedly. Absolutely. Positively. Let's do it. So. It's uh, it, It's been quite a while since the, the Vikings have uh, beaten the Packers by the point to uh, spread that you're that you're predicting david uh yeah we've been able to beat uh, the packers 10 times while rogers has been qb but most of those games have uh, been pretty close even in 2009 when uh, you know we, we jumped out to early leads and looked like we were going to run away with it and they they clawed back and made the games closer than than we would have liked um mm-hmm. and uh, you know so that, that's my prediction uh but uh, what and every uh, game you know, last year was within a score so, yeah, except the the last game at, right. at Lambo, <laughs> that that one wasn't wasn't close. But we know why. Uh, <laughs> the uh, but yeah, I, I, the other you know David uh, always asked for my last words, and and I think again uh, 
this doesn't this holds for the next two weeks. Vikings cannot go zero and two for the third straight season. Uh, they've got to win, and so it starts tomorrow. Win that one, and you're going to at least go one and one in the first two games. We know the stats when you go zero and two, and the chances mm-hmm. of making the playoffs are like fifteen percent or something like that. So the Vikings can't go zero and two like they have the last two seasons, uh, and. Uh, that's super, super important. Uh, so we're going to see tomorrow whether they can take a step in, you know, not allowing that to happen right off the bat. Uh, the first six games of the season, the, the the schedule is set up for us to really get off to a good running start and, you know, get a, a good five and one or four and two record where we're in the pole position to not only make the playoffs, but you know, be the division leader. Uh, so, you know, let, starting off strong is going to be, I think is really important, especially when you got a new head coach uh, trying to institute a new culture, new offensive and defensive systems. I think you want to get off to a fast start and, and keep the players bought in like they have been all off season. But, you know, if you go on three, then the attitude I think will uh, be sour considerably at, uh, you know, at, uh, at Egan. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're going to go 0-3. I predict to win tomorrow, and it will be a great Sunday for all of us. And remember, at the two-minute warning, Climbing the Pocket goes live with the final score. We'll be on the first post-game show on the Viking Sphere. Because we go early, you can watch that last two minutes. Hopefully, we'll be celebrating. I'll be half-lit. And it should be fun. It will be fun. Yeah, like I said, unless we're getting totally uh, uh, blown out. Uh, but I I don't see that happening. I hope it's the I other it's way around. Be, hey, yeah, and yeah. Kevin Seifert, our buddy, one other quote he had. If Kirk Cousins wins tomorrow, he will be the first quarterback ever to defeat the Green Bay Packers three times in a row in the games that he has started hmm. in the modern there you go. era. So hopefully that is the case. Last words? I already said them, David. Win tomorrow. Don't go 0-2 to start the season. Let's go. What do we Let's say? Let's go. We say Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.